You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Family, friends, fans, and foes, it's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast, but before we get to the podcast, you know what you got to do, hit us up on all the social media outlets, hit us up on Twitter at TNWPod, on Instagram at Talking Wrestling, at, oh, Talking Wrestling Podcast, at uh, Instagram.com, uh, on Facebook, we are backslash Talking Wrestling, uh, send us a Gmail at Talking Wrestling at Gmail.com. We are on Apple, uh, on iTunes, so rate, review, subscribe, give us a favorable review, five-star rating, we'd appreciate that. We're also on Apple Music, as well as Spotify, so give us a follow on Spotify, and while you're on Spotify, go check out me, Casey Corbin, and give me a follow as well, as well as maybe a couple listens if you like. Now, folks, it's time. You know what time it is. It's time to introduce my co-host, the man of the hour, the man too sweet to be sour, oh boy, all the way from Montreal, but now in Mississauga, it's Reese Turner. Oh, what's up, buddy? Not too much, not too much. Just here in Kingston, Mon- Kingston, Canada. Kingston, man. Nice, wonderful. I'm up here on a lake. It's water world where I am. It's beautiful. Just lake around me. You're in Kingston. I'm on a body of water. You're on a body of water. I'm on a great body of water. Yeah, baby. Yeah, one of the great lakes. I'm on uh, a little lake. It's called Belmont, Lake Belmont. And Beautiful. it is rated 4.7 out of 5 stars on Google. How about that? I didn't know rating lakes was a thing. I didn't know rating lakes was a thing either, but Google seems to know. They're mm-hmm. everywhere. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I yeah. think we should get right into it. And the first thing we got to talk about just happened this morning. Of course, this is tomorrow, so this happened yesterday yep. morning. Um, Bobby Eaton passed. The yeah, beautiful late, Bobby great, Eaton. beautiful Bobby Eaton of the Midnight Express, the heart and soul mm-hmm. of the Midnight Express. And the Earl, uh, Bobby Eaton, Robert Eaton, the Earl. Yeah, he was uh, fantastic. Like, what are your memories of uh, beautiful Bobby? Most of it was as beautiful Bobby or as uh, Lord Robert Eaton teaming with Regal. <laughs> as the, like uh, the blue blood teaching the Southern boy how to be a Southern gentleman. It was a fun little story, but they lost all the time, but I still liked him. I loved it when he was in the Dangerous Alliance. I also loved it that, um, you know, like he was, so the original Midnight Express was, I do believe, Randy Rose. And, uh, and oh no, Dennis Condry and uh, beautiful Bobby. And then um, and then uh, Condry would leave and join Randy Rose and form a new Midnight Express in the AWA with Paul Heyman. And even when they came to the NWA, they feuded, it was always Cornette's Midnight Express that, um, that was always the better of the two. And not because Dan Lane was super fucking awesome, 
his beautiful body was the key, man. That drop. Hogan complains about dropping a leg every night, like drop one from the top rope. You know. Yeah. His punches were known to be as the industry perfection, like, and uh, you know who who he's beautiful, but yet he has an outrageous mullet. Even when mullets left, he still kept a mullet. <laughs> well, see, is that that old school wrestling thing? I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear uh, what Cornette says um, yeah. on his show, and that. Uh, Usually that's uh, I I don't listen to a lot of Cornette because sometimes he just goes off about things that I disagree with, but um, mm-hmm. I really would like to hear. Uh, I bet you it's going to be pretty emotional. So I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um. With that said, speaking of emotional, oh my God, Ric Flair did he cry when the WWE let go, or did he ask to be let go, <laughs> or was he in tears? We when gotta. He got- like I have no idea. This this whole thing now with wrestler releases in the WWE is holy shit. Like Braun Strowman, you know, he's gone. Bray Wyatt's gone. Like all of these, like the I can't believe it. Like huge pieces of their storytelling for the last ten years are gone. It's like they're they're they want them to go elsewhere so they can make everything else good, so that the 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 whole world of wrestling can rise up together you know yeah, what i that's mean like for, that, i don't i don't think that's, that's no that's definitely not it <laughs> definitely not it but yeah. you know for like you know people are like people are like oh don't don't take rick flair aew like everybody just assumes yeah everybody's always going to go to aew and because they exactly. have the most money but like there yeah. are plenty of places to go and rick flair can still do a lot he can commentate he can host a show he can be a commissioner or a figurehead, you know, he can manage, mm-hmm. you know, like there are so many things Ric Flair can do. And then fuck for Bray Wyatt. Well, we talked about this last week. I already thought about everything for him. Um, and now it only makes sense because, you know, the Dark Order has, you know, they were led by Brody Lee, who was one of the disciples of Bray Wyatt. So yeah. now my re- thing is yeah. now that Hangman has said, I you guys got to fuck off and leave me alone because I can't be your leader, basically. I'm too young. You know, he's not going to be the guy. Well, then who do they bring in? And that's where I think Bray Wyatt should come back and take over the flock that Brody Lee left behind, and they should call him the shepherd. And he should be some sort of shepherd, and he can lead the Dark Order out of their comical sense uh, matter that they are in now, and 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 make no. them a more dark, a dark faction. I don't think you need to do that to the Dark Order, man. I think the Dark Order have reached the level of popularity now. You got to keep them faces. Like these guys are like the the beauty in the group is is like their name. These guys are supposed to be like, ooh, they're evil. But no, man, look how far Johnny Hungy. Evil Uno isn't even. Evil Uno's not even evil. He seems like a pretty good guy. He should just be called Uno again, because he's just a good old guy. Look at you, good guys. Don't hide behind masks. Oh wait, wait. He's a good Canadian boy. You're right. He's after the goaltenders in the NHL. I... Every good Canadian boy hides behind a mask. <laughs> Sorry, Don Cherry got a little carried away. You're right. I tried to put him back in his box, but he got out. But you're <laughs> right. He is a good Canadian boy, and you know what? <laughs> he does wear a mask. 
and as we all do during this pandemic. So I can't Ooh. discriminate towards masks. Thank you for putting me on the right path. You were clearly a member of the Dark Order, and uh, you did not like what you were hearing. And I feel like I've been bamboozled because when we no. talked about it online last week, you were all for it. And now no. you smack me in the face and wake me up. So. Good, 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 God. No, they're great. They're great. I think, I think um, you could bring Bray Wyatt in, but don't necessarily turn them dark. Make what? them like that. If Bray Wyatt came in as that creepy culty kind of Bray Wyatt, like the, like if he comes in and does that cult of Wyndham, which he seems to have changed his social media feeds to, does like a cult of Wyndham and comes in as even fucking Wyndham Rotunda. Have, like let the man come in, use his own fucking name. Come in, pick it up, be like this. Listen, fellas, it's all fun and games to be fun and play games. But let's go burn some shit down. And oh. that would be a that would be a fun little thing too. So they're fun still, they're funny, but they'll also burn the whole building down if they want to. You know, like, very, I think that's what you need. Very very interesting. Uh, speaking yeah. of uh, burning the house down, uh, AEW last night um, might have been one of the. I think it burning was down the house. fantastic from start to finish. Um, they start off with Jericho and the Five Labors as this is the best storyline in westling today. Second best. What's the first best? What do you think? You Hangman think, well, Page, Kenny Omega. Okay, well, well, that's okay. Well, maybe, but I that this is tit, tit for tat. <laughs> tit for, it's true. They're both very good stories, and they're both being told in the same company, which is great. At the same time. At the yeah. same time. Crazy. Crazy. Now, now, Chris Jericho has to beat um, Juventud Guerrero in five minutes? No, it was longer than five minutes. With a top or, rope finish. With a top rope finish. And let me tell you something. When he hit that Judas effect from the top rope, it was fucking beauty, bud. Beauty. Yeah. Honestly, I thought, like, oh, man, that was... That looks pretty fucking cool, man. <laughs> that was a good, good, little, um, good little surprise there. Yeah, because it looked like... Hoovy still is very Hoovy. He's very, very fast and uh, mm -hmm. a great arsenal of moves. But uh, eventually he just petered out. I thought, Jer I swear to God, Jericho took his mask. Why is he wearing a mask? Jericho took oh, his God. mask and had the rights to his mask. This guy comes back wearing a mask. I guess Jericho's over it. Um, <laughs> but, but still, what a match. MJF comes out. In the end, he's attacked by, uh, by Wardlow. Um, now what happened? Now what's the next um, labor? It's he has to fight Wardlow with MJF as a as, special enforcer. as a special uh, official. So essentially, it's a handicap match, right? Which I thought was coming down the pipeline. It's essentially going to be a handicap match. Mm -hmm. You know, so I thought this was coming, and then the fifth labor. I still think, along with part of the internet, that it's going to be Sammy Guevara to fulfill that Judas role. You know what I mean? What have I become? Oh wow! You know wow, we're going. We're have, going. You know, this is going deep. Yeah, well, it could be like this is the this is the kind of storytelling they're doing. It's not build up a crazy killer clown and then have him get hit in the head with a hammer and then fall off the face of the earth. That's WWE storytelling, baby. This is actual storytelling. You know where they they tend to do long term stuff. I cannot wait to see how what the fifth labor is. Some people were disappointed in this next one 
But come on, how did you not see it coming? It was a handicap match. No, you see, like, I saw. I think I saw it coming, and definitely, I didn't exactly. know what it was. I didn't hear it announced, but I saw what happened. I'm like, it's clearly going to be these two on one next week, or it's going to yeah. be something like that. So I heard MJF was the the ref. I just wasn't sure if it was Wardlow or not that he would be wrestling that F10. I know why they call it an F10 because it's five times better than the F5. I'll tell you that. Like <laughs> all the spin. The, yeah, and then how high that fucking guy flew? Ridiculous. You're frozen. What happened? This is probably my <laughs> shitty internet. Okay, there you are. There. Yeah, he flew so fucking. Oh no! Somebody's trying to call me. That's what's going. I think somebody's trying to call me there. And um, yeah, okay, we're good. Can you hear me? Uh, okay. Yeah, Sorry about that. Yeah, I hear you. All I right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that was. I thought that was great. The the, the first uh, the first match was great, and then yep. um, you know the recruitment continues to get uh, Penta and uh, and and Ray Phoenix, Al Phoenix uh, to yeah. to join um, Eddie Guerrero yeah. or Chavo Guerrero. Chavo. Sorry. Chavo and Andrade, El Idolo. Yes, I wear a mask, and sometimes I don't, and sometimes I do, and it never makes sense. And sometimes I don't. I, I love it. I, do. I love this segment. I loved it. I loved how uh, Chavo brings in Fuego del Sol, and you're just like this, hey, Fuego! Mm-hmm. And then they kick the shit out of him to shine Andrade's shoes with his mask. I did, I did like also how, um, how they're, how, um, the guy felt he the need to translate for Penta yeah. to the other guys who speak the same language. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, you all speak Mexican or Spanish. Sorry, why are we? Spanish. You know, why are we? Why is the guy translating? So I thought that was funny. And then uh, the the new, I mean, new order, the the dark order. The um, order. Yeah, this is tough because Hangman was like. It ain't working out, and then he friends on them, and um, yeah, this is gonna come back to haunt him though later on in the oh, show, yeah. as we saw. Um, Christian, Christian, how long? Yeah. When is he gonna turn? When is this gonna happen? Do you think? Well, Christian's it's not gonna happen gonna for be, a while. Do you think he's gonna be wrestling Kenny Omega all out? He's got to be wrestling somebody. He's undefeated. Should be good. It should be good if he is. Can't wait. I think Kenny Omega yeah. versus Christian Cage is a dream match, as far as I'm concerned. Going to be a great, going to be a great match. It's uh, going to be a great match. Not only that, it's a couple good Canadian boys and good Canadian boys. It's two of them, and uh, you can't two. go wrong with that. So, no, um, the elite had that sketch where one guy, well, uh, Gallows was wearing like a Ric Flair robe, and. Uh, yeah. One guy was dressed like uh, Bray Wyatt a little bit, the Hawaiian yeah. one. And then the uh, Cookie Monster shirt was for CM Punk. And there were yeah. all these undertones. It's just like the elite, like the way their show is, like it's so inside to the business that if you don't know what's going on, you have no oh, yeah. idea what this fucking thing is about. It's about Space Jam, oh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. but um, But the... The, the elite, I guess the the young bucks, they don't even feel the need. They they don't they don't have to defend the titles against anyone because there's no one they're saying. 
Meanwhile, the Good Brothers are going to be defending the Impact titles next week on AEW. Something. Against Dark Order. Against the Dark Order. Oh, yeah. And then what's going to happen there? I think the Dark Order is going to win the titles. Do you think Hangman's going to be involved? No. But I think it's going to show that Hangman, I think Hangman's going to see it. It's like, listen, man. These, yeah, you're, it's going to forward the story, but I don't think he's going to be involved. All right. That's good to know. Good to know. Good to know. I think so. Um, yeah, what else do I have here? What else do notes do I have here for the... What do I have? I got some stuff. I got some notes. What the fuck are the WWE doing? That's, what, that's the big note. It says, what are WWE doing? When? Why are they doing Where? This? I don't think they're doing anything. All I don't time. even think it's All necessary until... Like, I, I haven't I watched understand. Raw in a while or SmackDown. Alistair but Black, he's sorry, gone. Malachi Black yes. debuts for AEW and puts on just a great match. What an intro. What great character work. That's another You thing. had this guy. You had this guy. You yeah. had it, you started to dump a bunch of money into him, and then you're just like this. Yeah, you're gone. Sorry. Ha, ha, ha. You know, what the what's going on there in Stamford? What are they? What are they smoking on right now? They got that good weed out. I have no idea what they're thinking. Uh, Yo, let's like, send Miz out there. Let's send Miz and Morrison out there for the nine thousandth fucking time while we cut wait, the best thing about our company. Wait, the, the Miz. Ha- the Miz has a water gun now, so it's funny. It's a drip stick. Oh, I sorry. bought two of them what, for what? a dollar at the dollar store up here at the lake. This is it's crazy to me. This is insane. It is, <laughs> I guess it's more cost effective, so I guess the investors are more happy. Are you telling me it's a dipstick using a dripstick? A dipstick's using the dripstick to put on some lipstick, baby. <laughs> you can't put lipstick on this pig. You understand? It's horrible. What WWE is doing this year has been atrocious. Well, uh, I well, cannot wait. I do no, like the except for Roman Reigns. Except for Roman Reigns, I think everything else has I... been atrocious. I like what they've been doing with Bobby Lashley, and oh, yeah? uh, they've been making him into a monster, and oh, yeah? uh, I want to see him crush Goldberg at SummerSlam. So what about when they put him with the Hurt Business and then took the Hurt Business away two months later? Yeah, that did. you did. like that part? Because yeah. that part was stupid. Yeah, it did. It hurt business for a little bit. Yeah. But then yeah, Bobby Lashley continued to be dominant, so it's not but that is bad. He a draw? Uh, is he a draw? I don't give a shit about bald Bobby. Whoa. You know, like, I don't. I don't. He's just he took hair, away the best part of him. He's hair follicle <laughs> challenged. Not yeah, bald. Yeah, he is. He's a fucking uh, he's a magic eight ball right there. You know. Whoa. I can't, I can't do it. Whoa. Can't can't do it, Bobby. Maybe I hate Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Maybe he wore an eight ball head. on the back of his jacket, but he does not have an eight ball for a head. Bald headed son of a gun. I hate him. I hate him. No, I just don't. I don't understand what they're doing with Bobby Lashley. I get that they're booking him as a dominant person. Then, like, why you do all this stupid shit with MVP and like the the hose and the pimp shit? It's all fucking stupid. The dressing around Bobby Lashley has been wrong for months. The best way that they did it was they built the Hurt Business around him. Yeah, he should have just led the Hurt Business. Yeah, he should still be the Hurt Business today. Yeah, I don't understand why they're fucking not the Hurt Business today. No. because they wanted to make Bobby Lashley look stronger by standing on his own. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. He's a heel champion. No. You can be a monster heel and still be in a goddamn stable. I look mean, at yes. fucking. Yeah, it's not a. <laughs> you know, we're not fucking redoing the wheel here. You know what I mean? Like, 
it just it makes no sense. They've they've fucked around with storytelling so much this year. They're like there's that saying, even a broken clock is right twice a day. You know what I mean? And those might be the only two parts where they're they're kind of right, and that would be maybe Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. The rest of it is garbage. Trash. What? Why is Otis and fucking Chad Gable together? I don't understand. They got rid of Tucker when he was in a perfectly serviceable uh, merch-moving tag team and heavy machinery. I don't understand. None of this stuff makes any sense to me, man. <laughs> what about... Um, um, what about... Do you, not, do you not like what they're doing in the women's division with uh, Rhea Ripley? Why? Charlotte like, Flair? Why do I care? Yeah, why do I care about two mm. heel Yo, characters? Yo, Ding going? Dong Bailey? Yeah, I don't... Like, you know... It's it, it's dumb. Like Piper, we, we, Piper, the, Piper Niven. Uh, oh no, Peekaboo. Dude, what are they calling do, her? Double Deuce. Do drop. Do drop. What about so Nikki stupid. Cross, the Butterfly Girl? A S H. Nikki. I don't Ash, understand. Ash. She's gonna get cut in two weeks anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much fucking shit on me. None of this matters. You know what I mean? Uh, what about RK Bro? Is that RK Bros okay? That's okay, but like Randy Orton hasn't been on TV for a year almost. It feels like, yeah, I don't understand. You, Keith Lee, same problem. Keith Lee doesn't be on TV. He's not on TV for a year. Comes back and just fucking gets uh, smushed. Uh, same with Zelina Vega. She leaves the company, comes back and just eats loss after loss after loss. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, man? <laughs> they must have thrown some good money and some benefits at her to keep her around to just eat L's. Crazy. And now there's rumors that. Yeah. Adam Cole has is now without contract right now, so yep. he could choose Adam, to walk Adam Cole, away. But I don't think he, he will. I think he'll stay think he with NXT. Either. I think he'll sign a bigger contract, and I think he'll yeah, stay. But in he NXT. could go and do some of this Bullet Club shit, join the Elite, do all that shit. He could. Who knows? He could. He could definitely could. Yeah, the potential's there. The potential's there. Excuse me. I think. Um, we're so close to uh, hopefully in this summer, maybe getting some live wrestling in Toronto. Hopefully, yeah. I think one of the one of the this, the the factions or the companies will run, and uh, you know, um, PWG ran in uh, California last Sunday night, and um, nice. yeah, Orange Cassidy wrestled uh, Evil Uno on it. There was a heavy AEW um, uh, like effect on the show, and uh, who else um, wrestled that I noticed? Uh, Brody King uh, wrestled someone, and uh, I don't know. I just saw a bunch of pictures. Uh, my buddy Rory sent me a bunch of pictures, which is weird because he usually is not at wrestling events. Nobody sent me seventeen uh-huh. pictures of what was going on. And I was like, who are you with? And he's like, I'm like, are you with Scott? Because our friend Scott is a wrestling fan. And he's like, no, yeah. I'm with Adam. And Adam is his buddy who just happens to be the guitarist for Tool. So I oh, said, nice. can you ask Adam if you'll do talking wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, I can ask. I'm like, okay, tell him we're on Spotify. Tell him to check out. Our previous guest to show that we're legit and uh, yeah. let us know. So we're hoping to get Adam from Tool, but I bet you we'll be that? left holding our Tool. Uh, I don't think it'll hey. happen. Who knows if it'll happen? 
Well, I hope for the best, but it doesn't hurt to ask. So that doesn't. No, no, not at all. Now, um, now we had some homework to do. We did. We did. You came up with. Uh, you wanted to do top ten heel turns of all the time. Ooh. All the time, left, yeah. right. Who knows? Uh, my list turns. is pretty good. I think. I think I, think, I got a good list. I think we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get a good list out of this. I we usually yeah. do have a good list. Um, yeah. I usually find it to be the the elite list and the best list. I usually find. I go look for other lists afterwards to compare them. Ours are usually exactly on the money. So with that Probably said. Probably better though sometimes. The greatest heel turns of all time. Who do you have at number 10? Number 10. Okay. This one is might be my only soft spot on the list, but I have a soft spot for this gentleman. Uh, Rikishi. Okay. He did it for the rock, baby. Oh, it's the, he he hit him with the car. Hit him with the car. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, yes. Hit him with the car. The, Turn heel. Ended up beating the shit out of Scott at Tuhati. Now, this is one that I did not have anywhere even near it. Nobody in their right mind would, but, but I do. the minute you <laughs> said it, I knew exactly what the fuck you're talking about. So... It, it's memorable, and it's there. I think my number 10 might be a, not for you, but might be a little memorable for all the fans that are listening to the show that are 10 years older than me, perhaps. Uh, for my number 10, I have Larry Zabisco turning on the great Bruno Sammartino, which would lead to them in a steel cage at Shea Stadium in front of 60,000 people having Larry Zabisco go over Bruno Sammartino. And that made Larry Zabisco for the rest of his career. He was the living Larry, living legend. You know, so I think the effects of a good heel turn is something that people always remember. As a matter of fact, I often think it was almost even a curse for Larry Zabisco because the best thing he ever did was the one of the first things he ever did. And that's, that's what true. he was held for to that level for the rest of his career, you know. Yeah. And everybody, that's what he's known for no matter how many times he fought Super Ninja for the AWA world title that he defended. Or, or when he became a ninja himself and was, <laughs> we had nunchucks all the time, you oh, know. Geez. So... That is my number ten. Um, All right, but we can come back. We just got to see where these lists go. Yeah. What do you have for number nine? I have uh, Andre the Giant when he confronted Hulk Hogan and ripped his chain off to be like, "I'm with Heenan now, and I'm coming for your gold, baby." You have that at nine. Yeah, nine. Yeah, well, to me, Andre the Giant was always kind of a bad guy. You know, he was always a heel character when I was watching, except for very rarely. But it's still, it was more of the reaction of Hulk Hogan's face. I have that. I I have that, like, as number one. Maybe number one. Possibly number one. That's crazy. Because, well, look at no No WWE card except for Dallas. But like based on that Hogan Andre match, they sold ninety three thousand tickets. It changed yeah. 
Like the the most iconic thing that the WWE shows every show, the first thing they show is Hogan slamming the giant. That's the most iconic image in WWE history. And yeah. oh my God, just the way he, when Piper at the very end looks over to him and Piper used to be his biggest enemy, but now Piper's his ally in this situation. And he touches his chest and he's like, you're bleeding. You know, that's like so, that whole moment of Andre turning, because you knew it was coming, you knew it was coming, but you didn't ever think it would actually happen. And then when it happened, oh my God, like I was a full-blown Hulkamaniac at that. Like, are you kidding me? This is happening now? Like, how many times does Hogan have to be turned on? You know, because I have, well, obviously plenty, because a lot of mine involve Hogan. Hogan. So, but I have, okay, Andre and Hogan is, maybe it's not number one in your book, but it's definitely higher than nine. I think we can say that. Who's your number nine? Who's your number nine? Number nine for me? Yeah. Sergeant Slaughter turns on the USA, and he becomes uh, an Iraq an Iraqi uh, sympathizer, and he would go into Wrestle Hogan at WrestleMania Seven, and See, uh, I thought it I thought that was a cheap and exploitative heel turn because of the conflict happening over in you know I'm not big on rah 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 go America war. And that, to me, is what that was. Well, it was. So, I understand it. Of course it. it was, but the fact yeah, is, I hated it. It, as far as heel turns go, if you have to put 24-hour police in front of your house because of death threats, it's working. Yeah. You know, but well, that's that's but that's but laid down I, on my list. That's number nine. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. Who do you have at Yeah, for eight? me, I have Bret Hart turning on America without joining uh, uh, um, the anti, uh, you know, the antagonistic force in a conflict of uh, global proportion. Now, wait uh, a minute. Where does this, does this start with the WrestleMania 13 heel turn? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And continues through. Okay. I, uh, continues through. I have that on my list as well. Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13. Uh, so yeah. I agree with you. A, it should be on the list, and uh, I have him at number eight. Yeah, I, I, I well, that's um, I could put that who's at number, number eight. eight. I'm gonna put well, that at number eight. eight. I want to hear who you number eight. What did you have for? Oh, number eight? Number eight? Well, what, did, what did I have for number eight? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have the Festival of Friendship. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, uh, where Kevin Owens turns on Chris Jericho, because I to me. That. That that whole storyline between their friendship, that was written by Jimmy Jacobs, was that whole thing really brought Chris Jericho back to where he needed to be before he could leave. You know what I mean? Like it really, like they thought Jericho was washed up. All of a sudden, the number one program they had that year was Jericho and Kevin Owens together. Then the Festival Mm -hmm. of Friendship in Vegas. Like honest to God. I thought the festival of friendship was so good. I was like, this deserves a Grammy. Like, I honestly believe it deserves an award because Jericho is so entertaining. He comes out, David Lee Roth. He's got the artwork. He's got the the, the Jericho Tron. He's got all this stuff. Okay. And then 
Kevin Owens goes to give him the list, and he's like, but this list has my name. And then he looks up, and he's like, fuck. And, like, there's the turn, and uh, and it's oh, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. So that's why I it's have good, that. But the pro- here's the problem. I, I agree that's a great moment of television, but this is why it didn't make my list, that. Because they were both heels already. It's just they, they went from, like, Kevin Owens went from being, like, a more comedic heel to just being a, I'm just going to kick the shit out of this other guy, too. That's the only reason it didn't make my list, because he was already a heel when that happened. In your perspective, they were heels, but I think <laughs> I think they were technically cool heels, which were kind of anti-faces. But, like, look at if you were going to say they were heels, then you would have to say that Stone Cold was mostly a heel most of his career. And McMahon was a heel as well, and they were just heel versus heel. Because no, no. Stone Cold did not act like a face. Yeah, he did. He was a smart face. I don't remember once where Gary Carter knocked out five home runs and then drank a bunch of fucking beers at the home plate and then knocked out the ref and walked away. No, but I remember when Pete Rose did that. <laughs> Pete Rose is a face. Especially in wrestling. He's a face. An unfortunate face. That gets smashed Uh, into the mat by Kane every time. Oh, poor Pete Rose. (laughs) Okay, number seven. Who's your number seven? Number seven? Um, Let me see here. Okay, number seven is... uh, Okay, I don't know. Like So, um, the night that Flair wrestled Ricky Steamboat... uh, uh, Flair won the title back from Steamboat, and there was yeah. three judges there, and one of the judges yeah. was Terry Funk. Now he's Terry Funk, yeah. but he wasn't really a heel at the time. He was a retired judge at the time, judging the match, and then he came in and turned on Ric Flair, or just attacked Ric Flair, and pile drive him through a table, which was like the first time I've ever seen that happen. And uh, so I have that this at like number seven, uh, Terry Funk's turn on Ric Flair at um, I believe it was Starcade, um, maybe '88. Okay. So so it, it, okay. the argument could be made that Terry Funk was not a heel at the time, whether he, but because like most of his career he has been a heel. But um, Ric Flair was a heel when it was. But Ric Flair, Flair was, was the heel in that. the match. So exactly. and Steam so. The judge, I thought nobody saw it coming. And then Terry here went to, you know, Terry Funk totally. After that match, Flair was the heel, but after that match, Flair was the face and Terry was the heel, and they were off to to the races. So that was uh, my number seven. My number seven is uh, Paul Bearer turning on The Undertaker uh, in the uh, boiler room brawl with the urn against Mankind. Oh, boy. And Taker made it back into the ring. And he's like, Paul, give me the urn. And then Paul was like this, no. And then he clocked him one, and Mick Foley ended up, Mankind ended up getting the W. That is, uh, that, that's crazy. And, uh, yeah, that I I don't have that on my list. But it, sh- it could go on the list. We'll have to see how this right, plays out. Number seven. I got in my number six. I'll jump right to my number six. Uh, this is uh, Randy Savage uh, ending the Mega Powers due to jealousy. Lust in your eyes. 
Hogan. And then Bow slaps the shit out of his mouth. I, I, I'll stick with you that there, and yeah, that's good. That's a good number six. Mega powers explode. I have that down as well. Six? Yeah. So you want to have it at number six, mega powers? Sure. Yeah. Or what do you have at number six? I have, I have, uh, well, for me, number six, again, well, okay, yeah. so this could be argued, I have a couple honorable mentions too or whatever, but maybe this is an honorable mention, but okay, no, no, I'm going to go with this. Number six for me, uh, Hogan and Orndorff, Paul Orndorff, uh, Hulk Hogan, basically what happened was they were buddies after WrestleMania, uh, one, because Paul Orndorff's kind of got blamed for the Ross. They became buddies, training buddies. And then Paul Orndorff called him one day, and Hulk Hogan wouldn't take his call because he was working out. Paul Orndorff got upset, attacked Hulk Hogan, piledrived him in the ring, and they're off to the races. He would then steal his theme song, Real American, thus inspiring me to make a sign, Hulk Hogan, the only Real American. And I went to see him live. And that feud would end up drawing 78,000 people at the big event in Toronto, Ontario. Again, a big draw, like a great heel turn, just very simple. You didn't take my call. I'm really jealous. You get pile-drived. You got the title. Now I want the title. And what did it result in? A hot feud for a couple months. A great steel cage match on Saturday night's main event where they both jumped down at the same time, uh, as well as the 78,000 in uh, Toronto. That is a successful heel turn, and Orndorff just passing away is still remembered mm-hmm. for that to this day because that was his biggest, most successful run. Okay. I only remember... Paul Orndorff, majority of my knowledge or memories of him come from WCW. Yeah, you missed it. So I missed that whole program. It was great. Great. That's why it's not on my list. Number five. I have Seth Rollins breaking up the shield. Oh, boy. You are... Mine are so old, and yours are so new. (laughs) That's not new. It's over 10 years. That's over 10 years old. (laughs) Mine are so old. <laughs> yeah, yours are pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> All that's right, okay. that's a great one. I do agree that it's great. Seth Rollins yeah. is the fucking weasel out of those fuckers. So, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, my, yeah. my number five yeah. is, um, is Owen Hart kicking Brett's leg from out of his leg at Survivor Series, turning on Bret Hart, starting... A two-year-long feud between Owen and Brett that would uh, not be resolved until 97 uh, when they finally got back together, which was beautiful. One of the greatest feuds of all time. How they kayfabed it out of the ring as well. They treated it very old school. It was done right. The matches it produced, WrestleMania 10, uh, SummerSlam in the cage, amazing. You know, and uh, it's just... Fucking awesome. So that's what I have there. All right. So my number four now, we're on number four. Yeah. Is is Stone Cold uh, aligning himself with Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 17. Motherfucker. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that is a a great one. I looked at that one. Yeah. 
I didn't get it oh, that's in. Fine. Um, I have, uh, well, I have, this is probably your number one, uh, cause most Maybe. people would say this is number one, but yeah. I have, uh, what, what number are we right now? Four. Four. I have yeah. number four. Um, HBK is born the minute he kicked Marty Jannetty and then threw him through the barbershop window and left the Classic. Rockers. And began the career of the Heartbreak Kid, uh, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels. That is my number four. So That's I would fine. imagine you probably have that a little higher. Yes, I do have it a little higher. Of course, precisely, you do. precisely one space higher. Oh, because I have that as my as my number three. Good. Uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels and Janetti uh, was my number three. Nice. Because it was a very important moment. It did give birth to HBK and effectively ended Gennetti's career, but that's okay. But it was great. So that was who I had as my number three. Number th- Oh, yeah. So that's perfect. So that's your number three. Who's your number four? Yeah. My number four was the Stone Cold. Oh, okay. Tournament. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we're to, so, to my number three. Yeah, who's your number three? Um, Number three... Is uh, well, I told you I had Andre and Hogan as number one, so yeah. my number three is um, Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. Okay, okay, good pick, solid pick. It reshaped the wrestling industry, definitely did, Re- reshaped it, and that's why I have that one a little bit higher than that, too. Yeah. Um, my number two heel turn, uh, my number two heel turn of all time was Scott Steiner turning on his brother, Rick, Oh, his old trusting brother, Rick. Number two? Just mining his, yeah, man, broke my fucking heart, Casey. <laughs> These were brothers. These were brothers, highly educated brothers who went to university together. The University of Michigan won countless championships, amateur and professional. And then they break up because Scott Steiner wanted to become Big Papa Pump, pump up his ego and his muscles, and he broke poor Ricky's heart. Rick was there doing the dog-faced gremlin shtick, yes, yes, barking, and then Scott Steiner was like this, I'm going to break your back, brother, and then he just prow, and then proceeded to kick the shit out of him to join the NWO. Broke wow. my heart. Broke I, my heart, Scott. I do not have that. I do have... My number two, as I said, my number one of uh, of all time was Hulk Hogan and Andre. But my number two, now this can be argued that it wasn't a heel turn, but it definitely became a heel turn. Um, the infamous Montreal screw job. That's when Vince McMahon fucked over Bret Hart and he became Mr. McMahon officially. And... You know, Brett screwed Brett. He thought he was going to come out the face out of this, but he came out the heel, and he turned out to be the greatest heel in wrestling for the next 10 years afterwards. You know, uh, Brett Hart, once again, not only did he put over Stone Cold on the way out, he put over Brett Hart, he put over Mr. McMahon unintentionally, and that and those two would go on to be the hot ring in wrestling for the next 10 years straight. Ridiculous, but insane. So, 
Number one for me, Hogan and Andre. Number two, Montreal Screwjob. So. What's that? I'm sorry. You're you're giving me a repeat one more time. My number one, my number one pick, uh, my number one yeah. is Hulk Hogan becoming the third man in the NWO. That's my number one pick. Seismic shift in the wrestling industry, a beloved babyface who set the world on fire as a real American. Now, what we notice is Hogan is involved in a lot of these turns. He's a, he's a, in yours. He's involved in one, two, three, four, four of mine. He's in four of mine. Five, so five of mine. Four, and he's in one, two. He's in two of mine. Because he was technically slaughter turns on the USA. That was so he could wrestle Hogan. Hogan joining the NWO. The mega powers exploding. Uh, Orndorff versus Hogan. Andre and Hogan, number one. Cheapers, who's my favorite wrestler of all time? <laughs> Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did look on, honorable mentions. I did look at the Road Warriors turning on Dusty Rhodes when they took their spike and yeah. put it through his eye. Um, yeah. I looked at the Road Warriors turning on uh, Sting. I also looked at Crusher Khrushchev when he became well, when Barry Darisau became Crusher Khrushchev and became a Russian sympathizer and joined the Russians. Uh, I thought about that one as well. Uh, what about when Draws pushed Anim or pushed Hawk <laughs> off the <laughs> Titantron because he was drunk? No, no. Classic. What about <laughs> where? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's it. That we have a a fairly good list. Like, you know, um, I think uh, you know, there's I a lot of ours are the same. We just have to decide on like placement. Placement, eh? So, hmm. Some is different. I don't know. Okay, so you have Hogan and um, NWO turn number one. Yeah. I'm cool with that. You have it as number three. I have it as number three, but it could easily be argued as number one. So I'm cool with that, but I'm going to, but we'll put the screw job at two. Yeah, that's where you have it, right? Yeah. The screw job at two. I don't have the screw job on it. No, nope. but you made a compelling case for it. So my 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 attitude towards off. these. I'll take the Steiners off. That's fine. <laughs> my attitude towards these were like, how big was the feud afterwards, and 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 how much money did it draw? Like my criteria was, how did it damage the familial unit? How was Christmas after it happened at the family home? How much blood? <laughs> peroxide went into your hair and or facial hair after the heel turn was complete <laughs> well um for rick flair uh who is not even on the list um yeah i don't think i you know what these aren't a lot of oh flair was on the list for so terry funk would have made flair bleed a lot um but other than that not a lot of blood. Uh, maybe Bruno had blood in the cage, obviously, but not a lot of blood in my, in our in our heel turns. I don't think. No, I had one attempted murder on my heel turn though with Rikishi. Oh yes, one attempted murder. 
family murder. Like in the family. Like fuck. Yeah. You know? Um yeah. Oh, there was blood when Andre Hogan, the the cross left a little blood. A little bit. Um you know. I think that as much as Orndorff and Hogan drew the weakest storyline for a heel turn. He didn't return his call because he was working out. Like, yeah, how dare you? Um, <laughs> the I so I could separate with, uh, you know, I I I could separate with Zabisco and uh, Bruno, which is at my number ten, and uh, Slaughter it turns on the USA. I'll, I'll give, I'll get rid of those Just, two for some of the ones this? that you have. Yeah, how about we do this? We'll put number ten up against number ten, number nine up against number nine. All right. See, see what kind of stands up. Number ten, I had Rikishi trying to kill a man, and you had San Martino's Zabisco. Yes. Who wins? Who's the biggest turn out of those? I think it's, I would actually go ahead. I think it's no. San Martino's Zabisco because. Rikishi turning on Stone Cold and turning on his family and everything was like, it was a good moment, but like like a whole decade of Attitude Era moments, is it remembered as one of the top ones? So many heel okay. turns. I'll give you the Zabisco one. Zabisco's All right, Zabisco, you get number it. nine. I have Andre versus Hogan with the chain rip. All right. Well, as long as it's on there, we I'll put it. Andre and Hogan, right there. Okay. I'll drop sure. it down. Fine. Number eight, Bret Hart, the anti-American versus your festival of friendship. Okay. Um, we have room because I moved Hogan down. I have moved. I have, I have. I can move festival friendship up. I'm gonna say you have Bret Hart changing. I say we leave that at Bret Hart because I also have Bret Hart heel turn. So I think, well, let's put that there at number eight. Okay. Number seven. You've got now for number Steamboat Funk. Steamboat and Funk. What do you have? Number seven, I had Paul Bear turning on Taker. These are two iconic things. Um, but Funk and Flair... Went on for maybe a year, whereas the Undertaker story is ongoing and epic, and and I really think Undertaker needs to be on this list. Um, so we'll maybe drop Terry Funk and Rick. And again, you know, it was yeah, They're all great moments. The ones that don't make the list are definitely on. And you know what? I don't like this moment, Funk and Flair, because they fucked over Rick Steamboat. He didn't even know it was yeah. happening, and he's the guy he that lost know. the title. He thought he was going to go back to work with Flair chasing the title. These fucking guys. I guess. So, okay, you know what? So let's go with... Uh, Polly B. With Paul, yeah, with that. So, okay, next one. Okay, number six. I've got Savage ending the Mega Powers. Let's just leave that there. Good. Hogan and Orendorf. So, yeah. Good. Next Savage one. Number five. Seth Rollins breaking up the shield. Versus Owen Hart turning on Brett. Um, I think Owen and Brett lasted two years, and was very and was so well done. I think they're the best. It's the best brother versus brother storyline ever done. Yeah, 
I'll do that because I love Owen and Brett, so that gets the nod. All right, cool. So number four, you've got HBK and Marty Jannetty. You think that should go up? I have number four. I have Stone Cold at WrestleMania 17. Um, but you have HBK. You have that. Where do you have it? Number three, where you have Hogan NWO. Yeah, but we can. But where do you have Hogan NWO? Number one. Number one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with Hogan number NWO being number one. Okay, so and number three. Do you want to make it? Stone Cold, and then number four is or sorry, number four Stone Cold. Number three is Shawn Michaels. Yes, and then two is the Screw Job, and one is Hogan is NWO. One is Hogan NWO. That's our list. All right. Done. Okay. What is it now? Read it down again. Number ten, San Martino, Larry Zabisco. Nice. Ooh, that's a nice one. Number nine, Andre V. Hogan. Number eight, Bret Hart, the Anti American. Number seven, Paul Bear versus Taker. Number six, the Mega Powers explode. Number five, Owen Hart turns on Brett. Number four, Stone Cold at WrestleMania 17. Number three, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. Number two, the Montreal Screwjob. And number one, Hulk Hogan, third man of the NWO. Wow. I think wow. we did it. What a I- list. I think that's a good list. I do too. That's a really good list. Yeah, and the solid ones, list. And the ones that didn't make it are clearly honorable mentions. Clearly, clearly, clearly. Good job. We did it. We killed it. Well, we're just a couple of good Connecticut boys. Oh, boy. So you know, was there any surprise that we'd do this? Now the whole thing is, is I thought for sure. Uh, you're frozen again. I'm gonna. You should see how you're frozen. You're smiling and you look like Jesus. <laughs> you look like you're in the good buddy Jesus pose. Uh, you'll be back in a second once your voice kicks in. <laughs> this is a good list. I think it's a stellar list. Uh, oh, he's he just he just hung up. We're gonna get him back. He was, uh, we'll try him back there. We'll just see what happens. He's on the way. I know he's uh, coming through. So <laughs> that was so awesome. But we do have the list. And uh, let us know what you think of the list. If you want to go to talkingwrestling.gmail.com, let us know what you think of the list. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll either agree with you or we won't agree with you. So maybe hit us up on the Twitter at TNWpod. So we're uh, we're calling Reese right now, trying to get him back on, we're trying to see what's happening. He, we we can hear it there. Whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? Technical difficulties. Remember, folks, he is at a lake. He is at a lake. Is the lake turning? He I think the lake is turning heel on us right now, folks. I um, it's all right. It's okay. Folks, I think I can handle this. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us here on Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. For Reese Turner, for myself, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for letting us put a headlock on your ears. And uh, we'll be back to talk at you next week. Until then, um, you know, until then, be cool. Stay safe. Check me out on Spotify. 
And it's all good. We'll talk to you real soon. Have a good one. Adios. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.